Previously on Lit After Dark. How on earth could you name all of these amazing movies and then make me watch something that you know I won't like? How do you know you won't love it? You are suggesting it because you think I won't like it. Do you know how much goodness is in this film? I need to expose you guys to the greatness (laughs) of it. Hey, you're listening to Lit After Dark, the podcast where three English teachers nerd out while they analyze some of their favorite pop culture. This week, we watched Untamed Heart. Adam was born with a heart problem that required a transplant. Caroline has struggled with love her whole life and seems to be surrounded by men who are only mean to her. Caroline and Adam find love with each other, even if only for a short while. All that, plus our analytical takes on this episode of Lit After Dark. There's definitely something about, like, the optimism of early 90s movies. Yes. That is gone from movie making Mm -hmm. today. Because we were right at the beginning of, like, what was about to be a huge, like uptick in prosperity and up to like the fever pitch of like the late 90s yeah. and then 9-11 happened and everything came crashing down yeah basically yeah. man tech boom and bust. so this is really all about nostalgia for me more than anything this is like a good place to go to it's interesting because this movie felt nostalgic to me even though i had never seen it mm-hmm. because it captures that. it captures so many aspects of the genre that it is Mm -hmm. that like it felt comfortable and like I knew weirdly watching this movie it felt like I knew exactly what to expect and I was constantly also surprised like I knew exactly what was going to happen and that I was also shocked at the same time about how far it went with what it did interesting yes I really thoroughly enjoyed the act of watching this movie. And I really wish that we were watching it together or like that we were texting because I feel like I was texting you, but you guys were like busy working or something. We were at work, whatever. (laughs) I was, I was just (laughs) holding a baby in my arms watching untamed heart. And I really wanted you to respond to me. Uh, And I was just like constantly shocked and wanted somebody to share it with. But my son was very nonplussed by the movie. (laughs) Oh, I bet. He's not a fan of Christmas Slater. Uh, That's the issue, yeah. It will change yeah. someday, I'm sure. So, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Lit After Dark, the podcast where we talk about stuff that we love. And we are three English teachers. This voice is Tommy. Josh is this voice. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to say Jen is this voice. Go with that. Perfect. Nailed it. And we watched Untamed Heart, a movie that I had never seen before. And I don't think Josh had either. No, I'd, I'd never heard of it. So Jen is the only knowing one walking into this and we were blind. For the first time. <laughs> in the, I'm we not were blind. in the dark. <laughs> and they're in the dark. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Except for that time that you accidentally watched an episode of Dark before. <laughs> That's us. true. There was that one time, whatever. We're going to open our episode, as we always do, with Lit Takes, which is where we talk about our 
I don't know, reactions to different things that happen, digging into some themes and symbolism as we go and kind of unpacking important character moments. And this movie opens with some beautiful piano by Roger Williams to the song Nature Boy, which if you're anything like me, you know that song because of the masterpiece Moulin Rouge. Anyone? Anyone? No. Moulin Rouge, the movie musical starring... I know what it uh, is. Ewan McGregor? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. It just opens. He he is the nature boy as opposed to Adam. Well, I thought that there'd be more love for Moulin Rouge, but that's fine. <laughs> Lots of weird dark connections here. It opens on what looks like the Doppler mansion, and <laughs> his name is Adam. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even make that connection. I didn't think of that either. He has weird scars. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> Hey, there you I go. I thought that you were almost for a second. I was like, are you like, is this your theory? Is this what Jen's going to talk about? How this is actually in the dark universe? No, totally <laughs> lost on me. Hmm. Bummer. I have been eagerly awaiting to hear your guys's take on back of the book, though. So. Oh, yeah. Josh, do you want to do back of the book or should I? Um. So I was thinking about doing back of the book, but as I was thinking about kind of focusing this movie into the back of the book, it almost felt like I couldn't do it without seeming like I'm being really offensive <laughs> towards the movie. <laughs> I would have thought that was when, Tommy, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> because when you boil this movie down to the back of the book oh. where the girl can't find love, she meets awkward boy, they fall in love, she learns to love, and he dies. <laughs> It, I, I feel like I'm doing it a disservice by, I don't know, I, I just feel like summarizing it almost reduces it too much because it's. I think that's what helps it feel nostalgic for me, even though I've never seen it, is the fact that it is such a genre piece. Like it's so yeah. neatly fits into the romantic comedy and like hits all the high notes that it feels really easy to summarize in the way that you're doing it, but it definitely, I agree that summary of it is a little bit too bare bones to really do the movie justice. Yeah. And I think that the best, (laughs) the best aspects of this film are the two main characters and their nuances, which is hard to kind of condense, I would say. Cause I find them both very interesting as people and they're the driving force and this doesn't feel so much as a plot driven film as character driven and the, I feel like you really need to get to know the characters to really at least appreciate what I appreciated. I accept that. (laughs) (laughs) I almost forgot back in the book. How could I? How could you? Yeah. Tommy, give us your summation. Oh, my back of the book. We're doing two back mm-hmm. backs of the book. Let's do it. It's like the dust cover. You have one side. And yeah, the other. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say this is a movie about a serial dating woman who finds a diamond in the rough in Christian Slater, who has a lot of trouble in many different ways, but specifically <laughs> in relating to others. She gives him a chance after he uh, white knights her. And then they get together, they learn more about each other, they both become vulnerable, and unfortunately, 
the tragic worst happens and she has grown because of her relationship with him, even though she is not going to be continuing with him. Much better. <laughs> Very English teachery. Well done. Thank you. I I told you I enjoyed watching this. I even though I will have a lot of things to say, um, I I genuinely enjoyed the watching of this movie and and kind of seeing the the ways that it colors in between the lines of the genre that it chooses. Hmm. So I think it's I think it's just kind of a fun movie in terms of how it breaks tropes, but also in how it like lines up with it really well. It was interesting. I was doing research on the writer and I think he's only written maybe one other film, but most of his Hollywood career is as a stuntman. Oh, that's interesting. Wow, that I did not know unusual. that. All right. So we get introduced to Adam, whose poor little heart doesn't work. We get the nun telling him the story of his father about stealing enchanted rubies um, from the baboon king. And then the the music, I feel like, plays a strong, almost a character in this movie. Yes. It's, it's very strong. It's very noticeable. Mm-hmm. And Tom's Diner plays a oh. song that I haven't heard in maybe a decade. Guys, this is my go-to karaoke song. I don't know the last time I actually karaokeed, but this is it right here. Because it doesn't really, really require singing. It's very much that lines up with what I know about you so much in terms of how it just kind of tells a story and like introduces you to a bunch of different characters. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, weird intro song. I-, I couldn't figure out what I'm supposed to learn about Marissa Tomei through this song. Like, what do you think this helps communicate about her character? I got to be honest. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I didn't even notice the song. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. This is like. I've never. I. I I didn't notice the song. I don't think I've heard it before. You know when she like runs into her house and she's getting out of her waitress uniform and she's getting dressed for her date and she's putting her makeup on and she's cleaning her armpits and it's like the I dream of genie sound. I I yeah I recognize that melody and I remember hearing it, but I I didn't. I don't don't know. know Yeah, it's an interesting song choice. I love this scene so much. But again, I've had to reevaluate this movie watching through a more purposeful lens. And the only thing I can take away is I think the first time I watched this movie was when I was maybe like 13. And I thought, I want to get ready for a date like that someday. (laughs) Like rushed. I have no time. I don't know why. There's something alluring about it, but I just like the chaos of her getting off her shift from the diner, trying to meet this guy, only to find that he's going to dump her, but like blow off her mom with Christmas decorating and no, I'm not going to eat a meal. I'm in a rush. I loved that she used the lighter for her eyeliner. That was so 90s to me. Her bodysuit, her tight jeans. Yeah, I mean, this whole, this characterization of her, she's just adorable. Yeah. She's so, like, quirky, just in the way that, like, we see her getting ready. I think that in a movie, and I'll, this is maybe one of the things I'll talk about more, in a movie where a primary plot point is an attempted rape, where a man 
rips off her clothes to yeah. be her first introduction to us, her taking off her own clothes and we like watch her get ready in her underwear mm-hmm. is weird. Like that that's mm-hmm. a weird way for us to be introduced to her character. Yeah. Um, in light of what will happen later. But in the moment, I just thought it was like really fun. Like it was a fun, like, oh, she's rushing. Like, I don't know. It was very, it felt relatable, even though I've never done that. (laughs) (laughs) Nor have I, sadly. (laughs) (laughs) Realize your dream. Plan a date with somebody and just don't get ready until 15 minutes or It'll have to be like right after a day of teaching, rush home. I don't know. Um, oh, that sounds horrible. No, it's, it will be delightful <laughs> should it ever happen. But part of me is like, I don't know about you guys, but I think Marissa Tomei is beautiful. And I think that she is just adorable in this film. So to watch this guy just break up with her in the truck was like, I'm not well, really buying the this. Beginning. Yeah. Of a weird trend in this movie where every single person is so mean to her, Mm -hmm. especially men, are absolutely, for no reason, cruel. Her boyfriend, Steven, specifically, (laughs) who I hate immediately because we already fall in love with Caroline is her name, right? I just keep calling her by her actress's name. Exactly. Um, He's like honking at her to hurry up. And then he's all like weird and like standoffish when she finally gets there yes. and was just going to break up with her anyway. So like In the most cliche way ever. <laughs> seriously, it's not you. It's me. Uh, but like in terms of like the tools of characterizing him, it is a masterclass in getting me to hate somebody who hasn't even really done much. Yeah. But like I am so on Caroline's side <laughs> and so mad at Steven immediately. Yes. As you were meant to be, yes. <laughs> he rolls his eyes at her when she's like upset. Oh man, just terrible. Like he's he's so unfeeling and genuinely terrible. In a way that like, especially for what we've gotten from the movie so far, we don't even understand why. Like we haven't seen any negative aspects of Marissa Tomei at all at this point. All we've seen is her being like really working hard to look good for this date (laughs) and he just blows it off with nothing can we talk about the phrase see other people is that a real thing yes (laughs) but continue dating while seeing other people no it's just because that's not what he means (laughs) well but the way he said that it seemed to imply it but he doesn't mean it (laughs) Well, I I think it's similar to It's Not You, It's Me, where you're trying to break up with someone, but in an easier, like, lighten the load in some strange way, even though it doesn't make any sense. But these tropey sayings to me, I always wonder, are these things that are actually said? Okay, what about his super douche moment where she's upset and he's like, come here, come here. And okay, he like that hugs her to him. The worst. Just very good. If you're trying to write something where I hate a character, you have done a very good job. It worked well, yes. <laughs> yeah. Accurate. So then they go into the diner and we begin some of the most smoking I have ever seen in any movie. Yeah. I love the early 90s for this. Do you guys even remember what it was like to walk into a restaurant and be asked, Mm -hmm. smoking or (laughs) non-smoking? It was awful. I hated walking into restaurants for that reason. Okay, I kind of loved it. As a child, I wanted to be a cigarette smoker. It was very important to me. 
It's interesting. I went through this arc where like as a child, I would just cough nearby anybody who was smoking because I thought I was teaching them a lesson. And then then as I got older, I was like, smoking looks really cool and I'm going to do it a little. And then I actually ended up hating it and I stopped. I have never smoked a cigarette in my life, but from about seven to I want to say 14, I was dead set on I will smoke a cigarette when I turn 18 with red lipstick and red high heels. <laughs> Wait, but you never did that. No, I was a good girl. <laughs> There's a coronavirus, man. Look, don't let your dreams be dreams. <laughs> I may embrace it's it. Who knows? <laughs> uh, a, th- a thing that all of my students hear about me at some point, a story that I often tell is when I was a sophomore in college, I would really get excited about the romantic idea of feeling sad. And like, I, I, very romantically called it embracing melancholy and Which i was my life story <laughs> <laughs> i would climb up to the tops of buildings at ucla and bring clove cigarettes and i would smoke them as i overlooked like watching people walk through like the half empty campus at night while listening to french music while listening to sad yes. french music you've heard this well I hate myself. <laughs> I kind of love this version of you. I wish I had known this version of you. I promise you, if you, if you, if you can barely tolerate this version of me, I would have been absolutely awful. For but that's maybe I've grown. That's fine. So we learn that she's a serial dater, and her friends are actually pretty nice. Friends. In the diner. Co-workers. They're co-worker friends. Okay. I mean, I think well, there's Cindy only one. Well, Cindy is definitely but... one of her friends. Yes, for sure. Um, You've got too good a heart, and Adam's heart is the problem, and it's called untamed heart. I thought- Way I was... to lay that on thick. <laughs> well, so did they. <laughs> and long-haired Christian Slater learns about the end of the relationship. Uh, he reminded me a lot of Lurch. Uh, in the beginning of this, from the Adams family, what? just kind of holding his broom and being tall nearby. <laughs> I can't oh, embrace uh, this. Chief Bromden also, just yes. kind of in the background. Sweet. It's a one flew over the, the cuckoo's nest. nest reference. Ah, way to kill it, guys. <laughs> so then uh, we're back at the diner after she cries in her bed with her cat for a little while with a lot of presents that were presumably for Steven. They were. They were gift tags that said as such. Ah. Uh, she got him a lot of presents, which yes, again, just, just really made me hate Steven more. Or her, mm-hmm. just a little bit. Oh, no. Really? It made me feel really sorry for her. Uh, I've watched this too many times. I think she I've... jumps into relationships with both feet, and I can appreciate that. I, I could judge see... her. <laughs> Well, yeah, I could see you already have seen this film. You watch it. You know that he's a jerk. And then you see the presence and you're like upset at her for like, why would you even Yeah, get I was going to say this, this is too many Christmas viewings. Yes. Mm. It took me a long time to realize that this was a Christmas movie as an aside. <laughs> really? But it came out in February. I know. I find that odd. But I watch it literally. I was telling Josh earlier today. Every December. Since it does probably very 94. much feel like a Christmas movie. <laughs> well, hopefully yes. this won't ruin it for you. It doesn't. <laughs> so then we begin kind of the relationship with Adam and Caroline and her relationship with every other man in this town, which is just for inexplicable reasons, antagonistic immediately. And 
he her boss yells at her to get Adam to go to table five, which why would the boss do this? Because Adam clearly has never spoken. None of them have heard him speak the entire times they've worked there. They say this several times. How would the boss think that he would be helpful serving these tables? I don't think he or wants he them just to serve to them. Bust them. Yeah, I think he's just supposed uh, yeah, to bust I think them. He was... Oh, okay. Like, get out here and clean things up. Yeah. And then she goes back and he has cut his hand and he's just <laughs> staring at it. <laughs> And this is the beginning of a very confusing round of characterization. I don't understand Adam's character is the core of one of the ways that I approach this movie is I don't get him because he is <laughs> silent. But then also like, it's why just so contrary take... to who you are. So you can't empathize or understand. Because this sort of person. <laughs> um, why would a person not talk? I know. How dare they? <laughs> but it's not just that it's, well, I mean, we'll talk about it later. But, like, why? Is he just, like, staring in the dark at his cut hand, <laughs> doing nothing about it? And then she moms him. So this is a primary role for women, right, is she has to be the caretaker. And another way that we learn that she is good is that she um, very weirdly, flirtily, and intimately cares for his cut hand. It is very weird to hear you guys talk about this movie. I'm just going to say that right now. But continue. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's just weird. She's like touching him a lot. He's like a little puppy. And and doesn't she also find out from the way that he, how did she find out that he deals with Christmas trees? She finds this out here, right? Because right? his hands have sap, sap all over them. Yeah. Oh, the sap. Okay. So another thing in Adam's favor, he doesn't wash his hands. Nice. <laughs> but it's it also, it, it is the groundwork laid for his freakish strength, I think, as well. So strong. <laughs> He lifts up a tree later with like one hand. I mean, he's pretty spelt and ripped. Yes. Let's just. So then we get the debacle of the cigarette machine. And these guys who are really mean to her already once, who specifically asked for her to be mean at her later, are like hitting the machine. And everyone's just so mean to her. Like, yeah. Everyone's so mean to her and it's just inexplicable and it just feels like the, I don't know, why do you think that is? In terms of the story, in terms of the writing, <laughs> because I feel like the writing is just, let's make it so that she is completely, as far as we can show, down and out. Just She keeps breaking up with everyone. Everyone's treating her poorly. Yeah. She's like some somewhat trouble at home just everything has gone wrong for her she needs a win we want to root for her but i don't get why these men are being so rude no they're total jerks but i want to say another word but i'm not going to <laughs> i do think that there's an element where again upon many viewings we should see her maybe as a little bit self-absorbed I think she clearly is overly concerned to some degree with. That's her. interesting because I would say in general, I one of my criticisms of the film was that she goes through an arc. As we see in the end, 
but I didn't feel like it was fully developed from the beginning. No, I agree. But I think it's very subtle in that yeah. self-absorption. It's just like, why does this always happen to me? Um, that's constantly seems to be her self-talk. Yeah. Both in the truck with Steve and then kind of when she's talking with her friend. Yeah. At the diner, it's almost like, woe is me. Yeah. Friends cheer me up. Yeah. Slightly. I mean, she'd just gone through a breakup. Like, that just happened. It's true. But then we articulate when the other waitress sits down with them. I don't know her name. So sorry. I should know at this point. But they're both like, wait, which guy is this? Jackie? And it's like, whoa, (laughs) Caroline, how many boyfriends have you had in the last year? So I think that just kind of shows me I feel a little less sympathy for you. (laughs) You've had a lot of men. I get it. They haven't stuck. Mm, believe me but in the sense of like you're not self-reflecting enough like why are these relationships falling apart yeah how have you been able to throw yourself so heavily that you're buying multiple presents for this guy and you're not reading the room where he's gonna break up with you reading the room is a great point yes i did i just don't think she sees it and Hmm. maybe i see too much of myself in this movie but (laughs) (laughs) no i i like that i i just get so I try to be very careful with the way that I talk about how women are portrayed in movies in terms of like serial dating and like what that is communicating about them. I think that's a really interesting take of how you're not saying like it's bad that she dates all these guys, but it's bad that she dates them and doesn't understand why the relationships aren't lasting. And you're applying that to it being a lack of self-reflection and ability to grow on her own. More than it is like, stop dating people. It's more yeah. like, hey, girl, come on, think about it. Like, like, yeah. look at these relationships. That's a really, I, I like that take a lot. Hmm. So there's a wedding happening. <laughs> oh, sorry, wait. The last thing that got me very upset about these later rapists and the one guy who's like, wait, what are we doing? You're holding her down while he, I was, we'll talk about it. <laughs> um, well, I have so many thoughts. And he's like really mean at first. And then he's like, hey, 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 we're all just people here. And he gets to like pretend that he's going to be magnanimous no. by treating her like a person. No. Like, again, masterclass in making us hate characters immediately. Also, do you guys fully understand every time I watch this, I'm like, okay, you got super drunk and you got sick. But what did she do that upset them so much? Um, She doesn't talk to them. Is that, that all? That, that part of the movie... Honestly, after this portion that we're going to talk about, I was so stressed the entire time watching her walk home alone. Oh my gosh. Like this oh built gosh. that suspense really, really well. And like as, oh man, like it just felt so real in terms of like she had no win in that situation. There was no way yeah. that she could act that was going to stop the chain of events from occurring. Like, oh man, that was so stressful. But no, she didn't do anything. All she was said was like, please just let me go home. Like I just want to go home. And that was an insult. I was just shocked that she was walking home. No, let me back up. I was shocked that she was outside in that weather at night. You know, (laughs) it's it's Minneapolis for God's sake. Yeah. yeah. And I know there's car situations. Yeah. My goodness. looks very cold. Uh, the symbolism of she has to serve this wedding party and this relationship that has worked out and gone the distance. Well, at least the first step of the distance um, <laughs> successfully, I thought was pretty 
significant. And then her walking out alone in the cold after having to serve this was also great. I would be remiss of me if I didn't say that one of the best insults I have ever heard is her waitress friend saying, you are like wet sand in my underwear to her boss. (laughs) That's my favorite line. (laughs) It's beautiful. We know we don't want that. <laughs> their relationship with their boss is very strange. I it's, enjoy that so much. I just it's just so playful and yeah. back and forth rude. But they really well, love I each other. I, yeah. I love that dynamic. It definitely community. set up a weird expectation of how my jobs are going to be and like how my relationship with my boss would work. Because again, I've never seen this movie, but I feel like that. The relationship with your boss is a very early 90s thing. Oh, yeah. And I consumed a lot of that media. Uh, But yeah, this next chunk, I was just overwhelmed with fear. Like my heart was racing. I felt so anxious. And this built it up so well of having her just like, I think the really wide shots and showing her like all alone in the cold, Mm. like very small in the frame, um, did a lot of work to do that. Blue Moon is playing in the background, oh which is like weirdly romantic, but then also kind of haunting. I saw yeah. you standing alone. It was yeah. yeah. And that it's well, I'll come to that later. And then these guys are just cartoonishly mean again. Like he's wearing driving gloves. <laughs> just immediately. I mean, I wear driving gloves, but that's because I drive a sport vehicle. <laughs> no, I don't wear driving gloves, obviously. <laughs> We're on Hyundai. What's cold? Seriously, I, that was a big question mark that I was about to throw at you. Okay, continue. Yeah, I mean, tell me your guys' reaction to that whole attempted rape scene. I I was shocked the whole time. I was like, they no, no, they no. This can't be happening. I was continually just baffled that this was and i was like this is pg-13 correct yeah (laughs) because it just it just toes the line and is very uncomfortable very the weird thing is this scene is really hard for me to watch every time i rewatch this and sometimes i do skip it um i i think i take solace in knowing like she won't be and she'll be rescued and that's an important piece of knowledge to have. So I get upon your first viewing being like, what the heck? What's about to happen? Um, It's so weird because I was saying to you, I think Josh last week about walking. I was excited about the time change because I was like, I get to walk Penny after dark and I love this. This is my most favorite thing. Mm -hmm. But like just the other night, I was just walking her like a few blocks from my house and somebody drove by and like just screamed at me, like hollered. And I was, and it had been like just after watching this movie again, and I'm just like, what on earth? Like, why are you doing that? And just the amount of fear that I felt from that alone made me think of the scene and just how it's really a testament to, I don't think this movie could exist maybe, let's say, post I don't know what an accurate year would be. I'm going to just say 2015. That you can't watch a movie with a scene like this and be like, okay, that, that, I don't know. It just, 
I think that this hmm. scene can exist, but I don't think the rest of the movie can happen the way yes. it is. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I think this scene actually holds up really well. And I mean, just the way that it was built, like how they yell at her when she's in the car and she's like, oh, bye. And like, she's able to run away, but yeah. then they come back. Like that was, I, that moment for me was like, oh no, yeah. oh no. Like, I think that this moment was really well written and how trapped she is and how much they, I don't know, just use like implied power over her. Um, to to scare her purposefully before yeah. it becomes overt. I think yeah. all of that is really, really well done. But later, I have so many issues with how they treat this whole situation and her attempted rape. And like when she talks to her friend about it yeah. and who she tells mm-hmm. and who she doesn't tell. Right. And like, I get that, you know, that's very personal and I'm not going to tell her what she needs to do. But like when she does finally tell people what their reactions are, I think are really telling mm-hmm. and how much it just gets like swept under the rug. rug. Yes. Like, Oh yeah, that's the time that oh, they almost raped me. Weird. Right. Anyway. Mm. I think that, that that's ne- more what I mean. The next yeah. line that she says when she talks about it, when she talks to Christian Slater after they're back at work together, because she missed work for a week. Right. My God. Is it's kind of awkward for a girl. It's it's kind of awkward for a girl. Like, and that didn't because this movie was written, it made me think more about the writing and like why would you put those words in her mouth after this situation? Oh man. This was the first moment of like, I knew there was gonna be a white knight moment for Christian Slater. I did not think it was going to be a violent rape attempt where he's going to like literally rip off her clothes and smash her head against the ground so hard that she is knocked out for presumably hours. Okay, this is way harder to talk about than I realized. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I just, I was so shocked by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can move, we can move forward, mm-hmm. but I was so surprised. And then he comes and like almost cartoonishly beats them away and they like fly away from her in this very superman moment. Yeah. Which was satisfying to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, in my notes, I wrote, save her untamed heart. <laughs> Uh, um and then he picks her up and drops her off on her porch swing like she's jennifer in back to the future (laughs) there's the reference you're welcome thank you (laughs) and then the morning happens and she wakes up and she's kind of scared and christian slater is very weird and walks away without saying anything (laughs) i loved how that scene unfolded I I don't know. I just don't think he needed to say anything. It was merely just like I am staying here to make sure you're okay. I I love what I would say honestly, truly. Mar- Marissa Tomei is such an amazing actress in this movie. I am not going to undersell that at all. I think she does an amazing job, and I think her facial slash bodily reactions in the scene are so perfect. Of like. I'm slowly realizing what happened to me. I realize kind of sort of what you've done. And he doesn't talk much anyway. So what is he going to say? But it was just a really moving scene to me. It's always a moving scene to me. That's when the tears start coming and they don't stop at that point. So, (laughs) Well, and that's when she cries in the shower. Yeah. I feel like, again, classic movie scene, crying in the shower after traumatic experience. But very clandestine, like not gratuitous, just a moment of like, oh, I really feel with her. 
I agree. And I was nervous that it was going to be a little over the line in terms of like, how am I supposed to deal with this as a viewer if yeah. you're telling me that this rape is bad, but then I get this weird inside view into her shower. Yeah, and you don't. You don't. Yeah. Okay, we need to talk about the hand touch in the mall. I love that scene so much. What? <laughs> that made me so confused. Because and she was like I was... into it. I don't think she was uh, into exactly. it. I think when she realized it was him, obviously it freaked her out at first. Like, who the <sighs> hell is touching my hand right now? I just don't get it. But instantaneously when she sees him, she's like, oh, you freaking rescued me from a violent rape. So good job. <laughs> I, I just have a lot. This This kind of feeds into what I'm going to talk about in my 101 in terms of how the romantic relationship works in this movie. It's weird. I'm not going to lie about that, but. Um, Well, they're both weird. So it works. Yeah, that's right. What do they say? (laughs) I'm, I don't make sense. He doesn't make sense. Together. We make sense. Uh, Why doesn't Marissa Tomei make sense? (laughs) Because every guy she's ever dated has dumped her for some weird reason, apparently. Because she loves I, too much. I don't know. So here's here's my reaction when so I was watching this. is she the this. untamed heart? I think so, oh. actually. So when he saves her, I thought his walk away was a little strange. Um, but yeah, he doesn't speak, so that makes sense. But it seems very forward for him to touch her here. It, to me, I found it very strange. It was too direct it was instead of i i think the same could have happened if he just looked at her at the mall and she sees they lock eyes i don't think that there needed to be unwanted touching <laughs> for somebody exactly I i'm not like gonna say unwanted point. well i disagree <laughs> <laughs> unrequested <laughs> like unconsented to certainly. yeah there's no consent yes both is true but it was merely a hand touch and yes again she was startled and bothered by it, but once she saw it was him, again, her rescuer, her knight in shining armor, as you put it earlier, there's something I think it yeah. of solace Sorry. there. Sorry, that's yeah. I'm just gonna stand by it. <laughs> I think it would have made more sense for it to be like, hi, like a like a like a but he bashful talk. hello. <laughs> but he does. Later, Barely. that's my issue. No, he talks so much, like long windedly. After that yes, I know. I I, I understand, but like I don't know. I, I think that that would have set the groundwork better for us hearing him give these longer speeches because I was getting to the point where like, I wasn't sure that he could talk. And then he's like talking to her about astronomy and stuff, which fun fact on my first date with my wife, I talked to her about <laughs> shooting stars a lot. <laughs> so maybe I am Adam, but, um, I kind of, I just, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have long hair, but I did have longer and more. <laughs> Uh, it, 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 to me, it seemed too out of character for a person who is so socially awkward to make a touching gesture. It's just, I disagree. He carried her home after that. They've touched enough. He's Uh, seen her in bra and undies. No, no, this is norms. And apparently he watches her sleep a lot and follows her home. Thank you. So romantic. Super stalker. So I'm not saying it's romantic. Please hear me listeners. That's not the point here, but him touching her hand on a freaking escalator, not a big deal. Merely saying, I'm here for you. I see you. 
you'll be okay. Hmm. It ain't weird. Agree to disagree. Whatever, Josh, you're <laughs> wrong, but that's fine. Uh, I think character-wise in this scene, beyond the, the touching, she is clearly going through it. She's dressed down. She's not wearing any makeup compared to, you know, the version of her that we saw earlier. And the one that usually seems to be so fastidious about her appearance, obviously she is very affected by this. And she's back at work and Adam is doing the dishes and we learned that the rapists were hurt very bad. Um, sorry, a moment that we didn't talk about was how the other friend, like, didn't seem to know what was going on with the rape that they were doing, but then also helped hold her back. Oh, yeah. He's weird. Patsy? Yeah. I don't know. His name is Patsy, literally. Patsy? Yeah. That's amazing that his <laughs> name is Patsy. What a what an ineffectual lack of agency name to have. But they were also, <laughs> I'm not defending this, but I'm just going to say they were super drunk. And... I don't know. That maybe makes you go along with whatever your friend says. It's just weird that he was like, oh, wait, what are you doing? Yeah. As he's holding her back and covering her mouth. Yeah. Like, what did you think this was, buddy? But from the get-go, you kind of got the sense of whatever that douche canoe's name is and her. Howard. (laughs) Howard. Thank you. He seems to hold the power in the friendship even of like, oh, yeah, I'm going to tell you what to do and you're going to do it. I agree. So when they're back at home, anyway, or they're back at work, I mean, he admits that he follows her home and he's like, I'm sorry. And we get this beginning of this thing that I can't decide if I think is cute or not. This I wasn't finished kind of back and forth between them. Yeah, it seems overwrought. Yeah, I I think it's a, a good little kind of motif through the film, but it works a little bit too much. Mm hmm. I, I I could I could see them doing it once and then a callback at the end, but it I think it happens like three times. Yeah, that's a little excessive. And she does it the last time, mm-hmm. which was kind of cute. I'm not gonna it lie, was, but no, whatever. Was, they, they built up this thing and they paid off. I, I thought it was nice. So she she says, uh, "Don't this be whole sorry." Podcast, for... <laughs> this whole podcast, I've been waiting for a time for you guys to interrupt me so that I could say that, but it hasn't come up yet. <laughs> I'm, I refuse to believe that I haven't interrupted you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, this whole scene of it's kind of a real awkward thing for a girl. He admits to following her home and she like says, don't be sorry. And is like the one apologizing somehow. If it weren't for the attempted rape, it would be like, oh, God, no. What are you doing? But because we have the attempted rape, it's like, yes, thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) It's not weird. It takes away the weirdness. I disagree, I think. I think think a better reaction is like, hey, don't do that. I mean, I guess I'm glad that you did that in this particular instance. Yeah. (laughs) But please don't do it anymore. Like, that's not cool. I'm like, please follow me home every night because who who knows what's going to happen. (laughs) Maybe walk me home every night. Offer this thing to me would be better. Honestly, if you saved me from a violent rape, do whatever you want. (laughs) I recognize that's controversial, but I would rather have a protector that's standing by than just be left to the crazies of Howard's 
And Patsy's. Yeah. No I thanks. think that's only because we know that Christian Slater is so... He's a good guy. Untamed. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I trust him, obviously. <laughs> How did you guys feel about this next interaction between Cindy and Caroline? The weird fight scene? The, I'm going to hurl all of these derogatory pejoratives about yeah. women back and forth. It was weird. And it was like a we- they were throwing things, but then also mm-hmm. like calling each other slut, etc. Uh, it's very 90s. <laughs> I couldn't tell if it was a joke or not for a while. Have you guys seen Rosie Perez in anything else? I don't know. I don't think so. No, yeah. I don't think so. Okay. She talks so strange. Yeah. Like she's to- like talking out of the back of her throat really nasally. It's just... Also, she's like the New Yorker who lives in Minneapolis now. Yeah. I feel like when I see her in a film, I have a certain expectation of like, oh, you're supposed to be this way. Versus. Is she typecast as the friend? She feels like the perfect friend. I wouldn't even say the friend as more of like this person who upholds the attitude that she kind of has throughout this movie. Yeah. Just. I don't know. Oh my gosh, she's the voice of Chell in The Road to El Dorado. <laughs> that makes so much sense to me. <laughs> anyway. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know that movie. <laughs> oh, it's a... Uh, we don't Is have it to Disney? talk about it. No, it's, I think it's DreamWorks. DreamWorks, yeah. Almost Disney. <laughs> it wishes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't... I don't know how I felt about that. And then... Her brother doesn't show up, and oh. she starts to walk home alone, and then Christian Slater walks her home. Walks her home, doesn't follow her. Mm-hmm. Yes, which I am fine with and have done. I don't know. How, oh, uh, I get what you're saying about, like, it ended up being right, but I'm still... I know. I'm saying for the sake of the film, if this were real life, it would be different, but it's not, so... We do have to take the movie on its own... We have to, like, agree to the rules of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So he tells her about shooting stars, and he just suddenly feels really social and well-spoken to me after literally nobody else has heard him talk. He's still kind of odd. He has a dog, so, you know, he's nice, but... (laughs) (laughs) Is that the rule? Oh, I feel like that's... But he lives in a basement, I feel like that's, like, a writing shorthand. Like, give give him a pet. He'll be nice. Yeah. Pet the dog kind of thing. What does it say about her having a cat? Oh, same thing. Okay. I think just owning a thing that you care for and you are nice to. Like, I wouldn't have been surprised if there was a scene in in the movie where Howard, like, kicks a cat out of his way so he can walk into the restaurant. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that were, like, a deleted scene in the movie. That's a good point. (laughs) Do you want ice cream? What's the deal? He just likes ice cream, I guess. He's an adult. He can have it whenever he wants. He's a boy child, though. So let's just keep that in the forefront of our minds. Okay, so this is actually the beginning of... Are you familiar with the Manic Pixie Dream Girl? Yeah. He feels like a Manic Pixie Dream Boy. Where he's like this ultra-innocent, like, unable to... Unpredictable, kind of flighty... I, I, he's not flighty, but um, like 
I feel like women often fall into this trope in movies where they are, they know nothing about the world and they're innocent and they're young and you have this more well-known, sorry, more knowledgeable world-wise man leading them through and teaching them about like the real ways of the world. I feel like this was just a flip. I can see that because she's like taking him to a hockey game. She's showing him things that he doesn't understand. Where he catches a freaking puck. But anyway, slap shot. <laughs> yeah. Again, freakish strength. Super weird. But anyways, it's those baboon powers. <laughs> you know, baboons can catch pucks. I've seen That's the scientific true. studies. Yes. They're very strong. <laughs> and he also has a picture of her that he stole from work that he folded. So that, it's... that was weird. I'm going to stand by that one as being creepy and strange. And she's weirded out by it clearly. Yes. And then he yeah. just like silently takes it back from her refolds it so she is the only one visible and puts it back up again which that part for me was like all right well at least you're gonna own it and not be like oh god no i didn't mean it to be like that that would have been weirder but i disagree i think that that would have been like oh so you understand at least that this is not okay (laughs) no i i forgive him because for some reason he is just like a little boy in a man's body which doesn't explain the attraction no i mean he is fundamentally good like that's the thing he's a little boy in a man's body because he is innocent in the sense of like he is the only genuinely nice person. He has no yeah. ulterior motives. He is just straightforward. And there is something obviously very alluring about that when we see all these other men in her life right. who are playing these games and like hiding behind this fake language that we all know isn't the real truth behind it, but it's the stuff we say so we don't have to say the actual hard truth, which is, you know, it's just not working out. I just don't want to date you. Yeah. And it only gets weirder from here. <laughs> How so? <laughs> he steals a tree and de-decorates her tree and puts it up in her room. And she's so into it. Like, she yeah. loves it. I, I I don't like that. Guys, this is my this favorite so scene. <laughs> it made me feel deeply, deeply uncomfortable. Okay. I think this is my most favorite scene because now... As an adult watching this and knowing that he took all the ornaments off her parents' aluminum tree, that's not that's not great. But the actual like at this point in time breaking in to put the dream she verbally expressed to him of wanting a real tree. He works in a Christmas tree lot for goodness sakes. He can do this for her. Of bringing it in and putting it in her room and I don't I don't love how she overlooks, like, how'd you get in the house? Like, for sure. Weird Set and creepy. Set up outside. Oh, it's a fun thing to wake up to. It's it's sweet. I, I'm sorry. For these kind of romantic drama slash sort of comedy, which very little sort of comedy, I'm going to suspend all of my 2020 knowledge. Maybe we'll just call it. 20 i don't know there's a certain year in which i was like no more but in 1996 97 when i first watched this a dream a seed was planted in my heart that someday i would want a boy to do this for me as well it would be romantic and sweet you would be so mad at me if i did that (laughs) this is true (laughs) 
However, let's replace you with a Tommy. You are I'm not, not. I'm not Christian Slater. Slater. That's the problem. <laughs> I don't look like Christian Slater. You know, I'm just saying. I think that if you express something like, "Uh, this is a dream I have," and the person you love fulfills that for you, you're not going to hate it. If they were in a different stage of their relationship, this would be perfect. Okay, but we have to accept the acceleration of things due to his impending expiration date. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I I had such a hard time, I guess, because we are so woke in 2020, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, I, I can see this in 19... 19- 93 being like oh how precious but now it's a different world yeah and it's kind of crazy to think that merely well longer than i'm thinking but less than 30 years ago it was a very different world see but my fear is that it was never a different world it was always the same world but this was just romanticized in a weird way i don't i don't know because i was a child at this time so i had a very childlike take on the world but I think pre-internet, it was different. <laughs> I mean, back I, in the 90s. I see what you're saying. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say back in the 90s, parents let their kids play outside for long periods of so time. So God knows when. Fear. Yeah, there's a lot less fear of Check in at 8.30, Jennifer. Guy. It's okay. <laughs> yes, I know. Now, you can't even walk at frickin' 5.30 p.m. without being hooted and hollered at. So, I don't know what to say about the world. <laughs> hmm. So, she's very excited about this. She brings him cookies, which he immediately feeds to his dog, which is supposed to be like a cute It bothered thing, me. <laughs> but not great. No. Doesn't feel great. She was clearly kind of hurt by it. Yeah. And yeah. then he tells her about his magic records. Don't hate on this, guys. <laughs> it's cute and sweet, but it just feels so fast. But I guess I don't really have a time barometer for like how long in their relationship this is. This is the first real conversation we see between them. And it's weird to me that it's like, hi, um, my name is Adam. Uh, we've never really spoken. I was in an orphanage and here are the most important things to me in my life. It just feels quick. We only have an hour and 46 minutes to figure all this out, so... Mm, yeah. But we can I, montage a date or two. They do later. Now, I felt like the music wasn't used enough, like, in terms of, like, a writing perspective. I feel like this, these records he talks about, and it's brought up at the end. But I feel like the music... Maybe because I didn't recognize a lot of the music, it was a little bit more subtle, but I was expecting the score to be his records in a way. I was expecting there to Mm. be more of that throughout. And I feel like that could have had a better payoff if there was just a touch added to these records, to this music and to why it's important to him and maybe them listening to more. And then we get to the scene that I think I have the most problems with. What would that be? Tom? Which is the haircut scene. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about the baboon heart scene. Oh, yeah. The... 
I mean, we can talk about the the baboon heart. Marissa we Tomei might. is just she's constantly under the defensive. Is the only thing that I noted there. Like she's always apologizing for herself. I felt like. Mm-hmm. And then we get to this haircut scene where I just want to cringe. <laughs> uh, cringe at the scene or cringe at us talking about both. The scene that <laughs> makes me cringe. Don't get me wrong. It's rough. It's rough. So I think. Yeah. They- I mean, the thing that makes me very uncomfortable is out of nowhere and apropos of nothing, he just feels her up. And then she's like into it and then takes off her clothes and is like, now touch me. And then goes and has <laughs> sex with him. Uh, like, I was just I don't, blown. You don't think they have sex? I don't. No, they no, don't. I definitely don't think they do. Okay. I definitely thought that they were going to have sex. Well, I think that was a plan, but it doesn't... I don't think that's what happens. He starts crying. Yeah. <laughs> so that she can again be both mother and lover at the same time. <laughs> and she says, I'll fall in love with you. You don't have to love me no. back. I'm going to give you my heart. No. Which again is mommy son stuff right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not. I, I thought the writing there was... It's bad. It's really bad. Yeah. Okay. Let me try and paint the scene a little better. Adam has not had a mother. She doesn't know that. She does by here. Well, yes, but I think that it's not an, uh, a prior knowledge that she's working with. And I think that... If anything, from the get-go with stupid Steve, um, we know that Caroline is a person who is built to love and care for someone. Like, that seems to be her chief desire slash aim in life. So for Adam to come along, it's like, oh, here it is right in front of you. Um, Was the scene gross and weird and awkward? Yes, I've always thought so. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. I often skip past it. But there's something about it where I'm like, Adam is just so in need of someone to wrap their arms around him and say, I see you. I love you just as you are. And that that is something... um, I definitely do not see sex as a part of this. It is merely just like two humans connecting in an intimate way, um, heart to heart, if you will, and nothing more. Um, Because it was more to me about like your heart, my heart beating that whole thing rather than anything of a sexual nature. It crosses a line. Because we're conditioned I, to think so. She takes her bra off, doesn't she? I don't think she yeah. takes her bra off. She's Does she? topless. She takes her bra off. Regardless, I still think it's like <laughs> feel my heartbeat rather than feel anything else. But he wasn't touching where her heart Whatever. is. Whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, interpretation is very sweet. And fits into I think what the movie wants us to believe I think that that's the issue because Josh and I didn't grow up with this movie 
we are having a hard time watching the movie on its own terms. And that is yeah. the place that you approach it from. And I think that you are correct in terms of where the movie is taking us. Yeah. I definitely think that it's strange because I would agree that I don't think that she's focusing on that. She's more like, this is okay. This connection is okay. These feelings are okay. But it's it's hard to know both of their intentions. I mean, in this scene, they both do share like their most vulnerable piece of information, right? Like he talks about how when he was four, he wasn't allowed physical contact. People mm-hmm. always stayed away. He never got close to anyone. She brings up how her dad walked out on her. Like these are very vulnerable moments for both of them. I think the way that it's tied into sexuality is just where it feels weird to me. Yes. And I feel like, I was just going to say, I feel like that's a product of the time where it's like, this is where it's supposed to go. We're not where the writing should have taken it, I think. Maybe. But I also think if we think about both of these characters and what they're both longing for, which I think is built in from Adam's history in growing up as an orphan with these nuns and Marissa, Caroline's history of... (laughs) being continually rejected by men is that they're both on the search for unconditional love and someone who just accepts them as they are and all of their quirks and weirdness. And I think that the vulnerability of just saying, here I am, literally here I am, is the expression they both needed to find each other in, again, apart from it being about sex. Just like, here's my rawness. Embrace me. So they're they're like taking off their clothes as a symbolic shedding of emotional layers. I kind of see it more that way. And I always have. Okay. I just, I don't think of it as like, ooh, okay. Just like, okay. It was strange though, because it, they set it up where she, at the very beginning, she's like, it's okay. No one's home. I was immediately, wait. This is a haircut, right? Well, it would be weird. <laughs> yeah, I know I get that, but it would be weird. Yeah. Regardless, she lives at home with her parents, so it's mm-hmm. it's weird. She's an adult, obviously. Yeah. I don't know. I I that's a I like seeing the movie through your eyes. It makes me like the movie better. Because I can look at it without cynicism, and I think that that's the way that I'm approaching it. <laughs> 13-year-old Jennifer had no cynicism in her being at all. (laughs) She had all the hope in the world. I miss her. So so then we have the ice skating scene, which just, again, made me really dislike Cindy. Really? Cindy's real. I, I want Cindy to, like, ask her deeper questions Hey, why were you gone for a week? Were you really just sick? Like, what's going on? And then when she tells her about the attempted rape and how Adam saved her, Cindy's reaction felt weirdly aggressive against Caroline. How so? She just felt mad. Like, one of the notes that I wrote was, Cindy, you don't get to be mad about this. Like, you don't get to be the one angry. Why do you think she was mad? She seemed mad. How so, though? 
I didn't take more specific notes. Just the way that she reacted in terms of almost like, why didn't you tell me? Oh my gosh, that's so terrible. And then this whole like dating thing and like forcing her to go on this other date after Caroline told her that she was really into this relationship with Adam. I understand that part. I don't think she was mad though. I never took anything she said as anger. Just more of like, why didn't you tell me sooner? But like, go to the cops, talk to somebody. Like, honestly, uh, you're not encouraged to do that. That that feels. And this is very modern day, and I don't again want to put any pressure on anybody to do things they don't feel comfortable with, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) I'm just saying. I I think that the mindset is you feel responsible for what happened to you in some capacity. However flawed and twisted that is, you do. I just wish she was a better friend and tried to get her past that. At least if we had a couple of lines like that and had Marissa Tomei actually verbalize some of those things, I think would have felt better to me than Cindy not even bringing it up. Oh, yeah. But we're we're more, what did you say, Josh? We're woke. (laughs) Woke. In 1993, we were not woke. (laughs) Correct. We were shameful. And it's just weird that she moves on from the rape so quickly yeah. to this double date. Yeah. No, I oh, agree. Oh, how does this affect me and what I said? Like, yeah. my final note is Cindy is an absolute nightmare of a friend. Oh, no, I don't think that at all. I just, I get what you're saying. I do. I just think that we didn't know how to respond to those kind of things then in the appropriate ways. Not that it excuses what she immediately jumps to because i think that was a little heartless but so they're back at the diner and the rapists come and attack him and win somehow i don't know how he lost that fight but the script needed him to so he lost the fight and they stab him yeah again another moment where i was like okay this is the moment where they beat him up and then a knife comes out and i was like whoa they're gonna stab him in the stomach (laughs) they're awful cartoonishly evil and i hate them and they did a great job making me hate them and then it's not the knife wound it's the heart (laughs) i just thought was was great okay did you guys find it uh, the doctor in this scene it felt like he did this part and then they decided you know what we need a different voice for this and they did a completely different voiceover there is this, and, and while I was watching it, the doctor is almost, his face is always away, and the voice seems like it was added in post. It There's a couple of scenes where I noticed that they, they, they were adding audio after the fact. It didn't sound natural for the room or the places where they were that. at. Maybe it was the crappy DVD you borrowed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> might be. Maybe. <laughs> Also, as a side note, it took four people to hold him down so that they could administer healthcare to him, but he yeah, lost he couldn't to fight <laughs> Howard and Patsy. But beat them down no problem when Marissa Tomei was at stake. You know how like, moms will get super strength and like lift cars off of their children? Yes. Maybe that's mm-hmm. it. Maybe it's very specific to protecting Caroline. Yes. I... But it was very early 90s optimistic that the cops immediately caught the rapist stabbers. Yeah. It's Minnesota. (laughs) Where are they going to (laughs) go? 
And I loved this whole haircut scene. And this old woman I thought was hilarious. Oh. <laughs> and I just, it was so oh, funny. Yeah. I and loved this so much. <laughs> it was a, such a really funny scene. And I loved it. And she has a great early 90s clear phone also. Oh, yeah. God, I wanted one of those so bad. <laughs> he breaks out of the hospital, rips out his IV so that he could bring her flowers. And how did you guys feel about his explanation for why he didn't want a heart transplant? What does he say? I think this was the cheesiest moment for me in the movie is if they give me a new heart, this is the heart I love you with. What if I can't love you? Oh, yeah. (laughs) As the kids would say, cringe. I don't know why I can't cringe at that, but. It's very sweet. Like, if again, if you want to accept it on its own terms, it's very sweet. But. Because maybe after many, many viewings, I know how this all goes down. I love it. He loves her. He he very much does. And he has to tell her something that might make her angry. (laughs) I watch you sleep sometimes. So they've dated for about a month. And they lay in the bed in post-coital bliss as she fingers his heart scar. I'm glad that that sentence had the reaction that I was hoping it would when I wrote it. You had to say coital. (laughs) My next note is, but her heart scar is metaphorical. (laughs) Um, So then there's this dating montage. He's like weirdly awkward about holding her hips when they dance. They've had sex at this point. So that was weird to me. He whittles. He's essentially Helga, I decided. (laughs) And then it ends in the weirdest way that it could. Being at the hockey game was so weird to me. The cinematography completely changed to like we were watching it on TV. It was just really bizarre how much the feel and tone of the movie changed while watching this hockey game. Yeah, I agree. Again, very 90s. It felt like anytime there's sports in a 90s film, it has to feel this way. Like, I just had so many questions. Is he excited? Does he know the rules of hockey? Does he like hockey? Does he know what's happening? Obviously not. She had to explain what a power play is. Yes, there, there was. I took it that she was a huge hockey fan because... She thought she was going on a date with Steve to a game. And she also Definitely. had a like hockey team thing around her bedroom mirror. Yeah. Um, so I think he's just trying to show her. He's doing oh, this his was best. her idea though. Yeah, yeah. No, I I just mean like he's trying to be like oh, Yeah, I, I, I I'll, know. I'll entertain yeah. this for you. But it was apparently the best moment in his life, and he died. Well, that's a little... When we saw the present, when we saw the present that he had for her, which was a very sweet, his records, it was very perfect in terms of what the movie was. But I was like, is that just going to be a heart? Is there going to be a heart in there? A human heart? <laughs> you no, think baboon that. heart. A baboon heart. 
yeah, I was so surprised that the movie killed him in this way. Yeah, it felt very sudden. I I mean, ever since they mentioned, well, since the opening of the film when they were talking about how he has some injury, I knew, okay, this is going to be pivotal for the film. You know, eventual heart transplant, maybe this will be the climax of the film. And then she realized, yes, she truly does love him. But that's not where this movie went in any way. And it became the end. And I, I I like the whole arc of it. I just don't like the execution. I'm what do you think her arc was? That's my issue, is that she's like, this is the one thing that I finally, like, followed through with. Yeah. But I didn't... I guess she's, I didn't get enough of her character from before to see that. Because I feel like she yeah. followed through so well with her work. The only thing that she hasn't followed through with is her bad boyfriends. I, well, I and know. that's what I said. The one thing you didn't give up on, people are terrible to you and then you leave. Like, that's fine. That's good. <laughs> like, what was she going to do with Steven? Continue to pursue him? I guess we have the we do have the the beauty school. That is the one section where she's not following through. Yeah, but, but that was partially because he was on. stabbed. Yeah. So she was just in a different emotional place while in the final test. But I believe that's what her friend brings up when she's like, oh, when are you finishing beauty school? You need to follow through with that. Um, yeah, I think there were just those subtle, subtle things said here and there, especially with the relationships. I get that it seems like more so every man rejected her. But I do think there's something to be said of like, No, I gave, I don't know. I gave all of myself to this, even though maybe I questioned its worth or value at times. It is a little weird. It's contrived. It's, um, I'm not going to say it's the most satisfying by any means in terms of a plot line or the way things end up. But I just think she let herself fully be her with him and maybe that's something that she couldn't do before i don't know do you think she's in another successful relationship after this i sure hope so <laughs> hmm. yeah i like the ee e. cummings reference at the end i carry your heart i carry it in my heart i didn't like that he cut it in behalf with let me finish but we're gonna let it that made go. sense in terms yes. of the motif And that's the movie. And we hear Nature Boy again. <laughs> the lyrics to Nature Boy, by the way, are, There was a boy, a very strange enchanted boy. They say he wandered very far, very far, over land and sea. A little shy and sad of eye, but very wise was he. And then one day, a magic day, he passed my way. And while we spoke of many things, fools and kings, he said to me, The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. I, that is the theme of this movie. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> hmm. Any other items to say about our lit takes? I don't think so. All right. Well, Lit 101, for those of us just joining for the blockbuster hit Untamed Heart, is where we talk about our 
kind of overarching thesis for the movie in this case. So what do we get thematically? What do we un unpack in terms of symbols or themes? And it's where we get real English teachery with you. So Josh, take it away. So as I was watching this film, as we've discussed, I felt overwhelmed by the genre, uh, how obvious and how this felt so 90s. It felt so um, rom-com. And I really was intrigued by a lot of the tropes and the cliches, <laughs> uh, cliche lines, um, especially at the beginning. Um, and I was kind of just doing a little bit of research on that. So it really st stuck out right at the beginning when the boyfriend, what was the boyfriend's name again? Steve. 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 When he says, we need to see other people. It's, it's not you, it's me. I was curious about these phrases and I, I did some research on see other people, but there wasn't a lot of good research that I found on that. But it's not you, it's me. It's actually has a little bit of an interesting history. Um, it actually originates in sports. Um, when people were practicing in sports and they were like trying to do something together, they would say like, oh, sorry, that didn't work out. It's not you, it's me. That was a phrase that was said, but then eventually kind of merged into romantic films. And um, the first film that had it was a 1988 movie called Casual Sex. Never heard of it. But um, that was, I guess, the first film that had this in it. But interestingly, this year in 1993, this phrase was made very popular by the TV show Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. There's a whole episode um, where one of the characters kept, keeps using this phrase and he thinks that he came up with it. But I, I found it interesting because that episode came out in this year, on October 28th. But the, this, this film came out, uh, obviously, a few months before that. Um, but just in general, um, besides those cliche lines, I felt like there was a lot of kind of tropey elements to this. And the one kind of trope that I stuck to was what's called the stalking lover trope or the watching sleep trope. <laughs> and I, the whole time watching this, I just, I just could not get past this, but it's an interesting thing that it is so common in TV and film and in books. And I was doing, I was basically looking at all different kind of literary uh, kind of examples of this where we have the guy overly pursuing, stalking, creeping on the woman. And um, I think my wife mentioned that that happens in Twilight. Um, Edward Cullen watches. Yeah. Watch her face. 100% right. Yeah. I was thinking of bored that. Yeah. Oh, was it? Okay. Um, I, I get a little bit of Gatsby just longing after Daisy. Mm -hmm. In, in a way that it's a very uh, similar vibe. And I, I was looking back and one of the earliest kind of ideas of this is the tale of Apollo and Daphne. Um, and that whole idea, if you um, didn't know, uh, Apollo insults Eros and Eros makes two arrows, one out of gold and one out of um, iron or sorry, lead. He shoots Apollo with the gold arrow and he is obsessed and in love with the river nymph Daphne. He hits Daphne with the lead arrow, and she absolutely hates Apollo. And um, he continually chases after her, but she is basically wanting to be kind of chased. And, and of course, uh, Pepe Le Pew and the girl cat? 
Does he have yes. a name? <laughs> yes, the eternal <laughs> reference. <laughs> Love that illusion. Um, <laughs> but eventually, she the, different versions have different um, examples of this. But in some way, she turns into a laurel tree um, and is completely kind of separated from him. And uh, this obviously is very different from the film that we have. But apart from that, I was really stuck on the fact that people are attracted to Christian Slater. And I find that strange. (laughs) Um, Why specifically? Please articulate this. What is so strange about that? Like he just has this vibe about him that is aloof and creepy and I get the I, I, I get the bad boy appeal. Um He's not a bad he boy ju- though. Mm. Okay, so I, I was doing research on this and there's the kind of idea of the Byronic hero, Lord Byron. Um he had many characters that were kind of brooding and aloof but the women chased after them and funny note lord byron was kind of like this himself and he had a club foot and i remember my professor in college saying like yeah lord byron he couldn't chase the ladies off and he, c- he couldn't get away because oh, of his club foot <laughs> <laughs> i was doing research on like why women find these bad boys attractive and and i wouldn't say that Adam at all is is anyway a bad way. And I think that's a good thing about his character is that he has bits and pieces of kind of different character types. Types, As T- Tommy was saying, he is like a manic pixie boy where he's in some ways pure good, but in other ways he's dark, aloof. In some ways he's dumb, but in some ways he's very smart. Um, and that's why it's hard to pin him down. Yeah. Um, but I... Uh, Those are just a few small thoughts I had that Mm. I had a hard time placing this movie because in some ways it feels very in line with the time and the tropes. But in other ways, okay, we're doing something completely different. But I don't feel like it fully succeeds or as much as I would like it to because I could see kind of turning the tropes on their head and or just having a different viewpoint that would have made it much more nuanced. But I mean, can't change the film, but (laughs) in many ways, as I finished the film, I felt like, okay, this is like a good, like, I feel like this is a, there could be another draft of this script that I would have really liked that I've really connected to. Cause there was some things that I'm like, okay, punch that up to get rid of that. (laughs) Um, And fair. I, I, I could see this being like to the level of a Benny and June. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I think, yeah, I agree. A lot of the plot points could have even been kept, but just mm-hmm. like way dialed down in some cases or way expanded on in others. Yeah. It's interesting. Like he is. Your, by the way, your lit what a what is way better than mine. Mine is like small and really personal compared to your like <laughs> awesome multi multi oh. age literary analysis. But <laughs> I I felt very self conscious about that. <laughs> no, yours was very good. Mine is very personal about myself. Really, <laughs> I'm very intrigued. Good, let's hear it. <laughs> so this movie 
and movies like it, I think are a large part of the reason that I was broken for a very long time (laughs) in terms of the way that I thought about and felt about women and relationships with women. And what I mean by that is basically the lesson of this movie over and over again is everybody is so terrible to pretty girls that if you're just quiet and near them, suddenly they'll fall in love with you. All you have to do is be kind and nice to them and they will throw themselves at you. And I think that this movie just fell into that again and again and made me like it was weird looking back at past Tommy and like (laughs) this and movies like this are why like this is what I consumed endlessly romantic comedies like this where I just learned from this that all you have to do is be kind of nice and never be outwardly mean and that's it you don't even have to talk in this movie you don't have to say words and she will be nice to you and and maybe fall in love with you you know i don't know if i ever would have saved anybody from an aggressive you know attack but i this movie just does time and again and i think especially the way that their relationship ramps up so quickly is just all a part of it it's all written in there about how he does he like that very uncomfortable scene with the haircut where out of nowhere he says nothing and just reaches for her chest and she's like yes i encourage this like i just it's just very much all i can see is myself in this and like how much i thought wished that that was the way that it really worked and it's not no it's not the way that it works and also hopefully listeners i never did any of this i just assumed that women would be throwing themselves at me because i was kind to them well you had one piece missing you weren't stalking enough there you go true right i also again i can't stress this enough don't look like christian slater <laughs> which apparently is a good thing chess scar <laughs> oh i have a giant chess scar but i no i don't have a chess scar So anyway, that's all my thing is, is just like this falls into that romantic comedy trope of other boys mean, me boy not mean, even though I do weird things, girl like me because me boy not mean. (laughs) That's the back of the book description. Thank you. Yes. I love that so much. (laughs) And it just, it, it was, it, that's why I focus so much on the show, on the movie making us hate every other male character in this story so much and why they are so mean from from step one it stole my damn quarter sweetheart like oh god you're terrible you're immediately terrible and then later you see them like look and point at adam and like laugh at him for existing yeah i so i just that's all i could think about the entire time i watched this movie was myself <laughs> so <laughs> uh jen now it's your turn oh i kind of love that you shared that that makes me sympathize with a younger version of you um <laughs> i don't know i have so much empathy for you right now <laughs> wow uh, that's good yeah um take this back to two hours ago when we started <laughs> recording <laughs> my heart has softened um 
No, that was interesting. Obviously, I was way interested in what you guys took away from this film. I think this is the first thing we've watched that I've actually watched a hundred times and you guys have watched once. And I am way more interested in your initial takes on it. Um, I think what I was searching for upon this, oh God, I don't even know. Let's just call it the 50th viewing. Um was why do I like this? <laughs> and <laughs> I asked myself that same question a lot. <laughs> it, it's hard to place. And yet, while knowing I was having to talk to you guys about it, which gave me great trepidation about a week ago, I was like, oh, no, I don't want to do this. Um, <laughs> let's change what we're talking about. Um, I hope that whoever listens to this wants to actually watch this movie now, but you know, maybe not. Um, I think I was looking up, um, ratings and reviews of this movie from 1993. And I went to, um, the greatest movie critic of all time, Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert. <laughs> and he said about untamed heart that it was kind of sweet and kind of goofy <laughs> And works because its heart is in the right place. And I loved that because... I see what he did there. I think it's, <laughs> it, it is true. And I think what I love about this film is that I watched it probably for the first time when I was 13. And obviously, I fell in love with Christian Slater in spite of his greasy, gross hair and his weird, shy ways. I thought that he was the epitome of... I don't even know. <laughs> he's yeah, what is that? I think no. He's like every brooding character. Like he's the Beast in Beauty and the yes. Beast. He's Mister Darcy in Pride and Prejudice. Yes. Like he's all of these like dark, mysterious. I, I I get what you're saying. I think it. Yeah, I like that you use. Do you those want characters. to change him? Is that it? Is it like <laughs> no, because. In some capacity, now this sounds terrible, but you're kind of glad that he dies because it's like, I I got to be with you and enjoy this moment, but I don't know if I could enjoy you forever. And nothing will sully it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I think that that's kind of the beauty of this is that Caroline got him for this season of time. And for some reason, it seems to restore her faith in love and possibility and what life may hold for her from here on out um i think that's kind of the beauty of it um the thing that i was just gonna say it's really small is watching this i watched it two times over the past week and i was like why do i love this okay and i think when we watched jurassic park i when i looked at all those 1993 movies i was like oh no in 2020 Amid the chaos that is this year, I freaking love the nostalgia of watching a movie that, in spite of all of the dramatic contents, there's something that's so simple about this. And I realized what I really loved about it was the backdrop of the diner and this setting of, even though you don't, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't figure out upon many viewings ago, that it was Minneapolis until Patsy and Howard are following her in the car and they actually say, like, 
Minneapolis. What else is there to do? Yeah. You know? And I was like, oh, okay, Minneapolis. But this snowy, cold setting, it being Christmas time, I was telling Josh earlier, I rewatch this every December because to me, in spite of everything, it's a Christmas movie um, because of that Christmas tree scene that means so much to me. And I'm waiting for the man that puts a Christmas tree in my bedroom. <laughs> as creepy as that is, I just think that that, that scene is so precious to me and the the larger point is is that i love that this diner and where she works and who her friends are and this backdrop of meeting adam um is a fully cultivated place it doesn't feel like a movie set it doesn't feel like it feels like we were put in a real diner in minneapolis it feels like the characters both customers and her coworkers and her boss are real um it feels like, I don't know, we're just transported into this place. And it's the scene particularly, I think, the first time she leaves the diner pre-rape, <laughs> horrible to say, that Blue Moon is playing. And we get a shot on her, kind of in her solitude, sitting in the diner. And then we get a shot of Adam watching her leave and I think that that was like the perfect ultimate like romantic setup of him spending god knows how long years maybe watching her leave her shift every night watching her walk home until we get implanted in the story and we have to watch him rescue her from this really harrowing scene but I just imagine that there's years of buildup into their final, like, coming together. And it makes me accept this story so much more because their love story is so accelerated. And, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to swallow all of it. But if I can kind of go back to that scene and all of the setup we get, again, pre-rape, pre-his rescue of her, pre-any of their relationship coming to fruition it's just so beautifully done like i'll stand by i love the first 25 minutes of this movie more than anything else that happens in here that we just get 93 minneapolis these characters who they are and this culture of working at the diner living at home um having this you know going to cosmetology school or whatever we want to call it um, I don't know. And that Tom Steiner scene, I think that's the best scene in the whole movie, honestly. I just, I could watch the first 25 minutes over and over again just to find like, oh, the sweet nostalgia of it all. And I will go back to many a 90s movie for this same, like, that's what I'm looking for that we just don't have in the movies we're making in 2020. And I know I sound like a grandma when I say that, but that's where we are it like it used to be it isn't it'd be interesting to see if there's a podcast that repeats in a different cycle of other 30 year olds in 2050 <laughs> talking about movies that came out in the 2020s and how nostalgic they feel for them it'll always happen because even if you go back to like 2010 you're like oh the movies in 2010 yeah it's funny as you were talking i i kind of realized that this movie in many ways is Adam 
meaning that sometimes it doesn't say quite the right things. It sometimes stumbles, but it's completely genuine, mm. <laughs> like all the time. It's just this is what it is, and 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 it doesn't feel like it's as you kind of put it, putting like being fake. It it feels very just true. Yeah, um, and I and think natural. despite despite the issues that I brought up with it, I wouldn't call this like this movie is perhaps sexist, is perhaps misogynist in some yeah. ways, but it's never trying to be. No. It's just like yeah. accidentally. It's like somebody who doesn't realize what they're saying is oh man you can't say it like that but like i get what you mean but you can't say it like that like i don't know <laughs> i i did definitely get that feeling while watching this where it was like it's it's kind of like going back and watching old friends episodes where it's like oh that's tough to watch right now but i get that that's the time that you yeah. lived in mm-hmm Gosh, even going back and watching old Office episodes, some things are like, ooh, <laughs> that wasn't that long ago. The world has changed swiftly. Oh, yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, thank you so much for listening. And please, again, let us know if there's any movies you would be interested in seeing. You can tweet at us or send us an email. And join us next time when we watch 1993's Benny and June. Will we only watch love stories? Will all of our movies be from 1993? Which streaming services should we even expect you to have? Find out next time on Lit After Dark. And remember, keep it lit. If you liked this podcast, please give us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. We also have a Patreon where you can contribute, patreon.com slash litafterdarkpod. If you'd like, you can email us at litafterdarkpod at gmail.com with questions or comments. That's L-I-T-A-F-T-E-R-D-A-R-K-Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at litafterdarkpod. Thank you to Luke Van for our theme song. You can follow his work on YouTube. That is Luke Van with two N's. Do you guys like the movie When Harry Met Sally? Yeah. Okay. I just, I was trying to think of other romantic comedies that I really loved and that just strikes me but I love Meg Ryan and anything that she's in so yes oh my gosh Tommy you're such a Billy Crystal <laughs> wow that is one of the kindest things you've ever said to me in my life what a glowing compliment I'm gonna wear that on my sleeve for a few days to be fair I've only seen bits and pieces of Christian Slater. Um, and in this movie, the bits and pieces that I saw were his fake scarred chest. But <laughs> Very horribly fake, yes. I know. Yes. It was not real. It's like diagonal. <laughs> I don't think any... Like, I don't even know why it wasn't straight They're down like his chest. Straight, like, yeah. why wouldn't it be down his sternum? <laughs> well, that's because how the nuns do surgery. Because it's a baboon's heart. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>